You're listening to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Referral Mortgages and Blue Panda Realty, with your hosts, Paul Stevenson, David Warren, and Greg Campbell. Let's see what's going on in the world of real estate in our nation's capital. And we're back! We're back. Oh yeah. I'm here. Happy morning, gentlemen. My name is Paul Stevenson. I'm here as always with, well, as most of the time, with Greg Campbell. And David Warren, Greg, welcome back. Greg is a Thank partner. You. He's also a awesome real estate agent, just a top-notch human being at Blue Panda Realty. I am uh, Paul Stevenson. I'm one of the owners and a mortgage agent at Referral Mortgages. And David Warren is also here, owner, mortgage agent at Referral Mortgages. And there's someone in the background at Greg's office having a great old morning. Uh, we I'm just uh, I'm muting that right now. That was a uh, that was an homage to Jim Brewer. My intro, uh, I believe that was from Saturday Night Live. Yeah, we're back. I can't remember which skit, but I used to be a bit Something of an like SNL that. junkie when I was younger. That was, uh, you know, I'd sit at home and just watch that on Saturday night. So that was my that was my uh, my childhood. Well, I I think that's a lot of people's uh, a lot of people's childhood and a lot of people's Saturday nights even now. Yeah, there wasn't too many. Uh, there wasn't. I just felt like the the options for TV shows back then was quite limited. You know, it's not like the plethora of YouTube unlimited videos that kids have today. We were talking the other day about childhood shows we grew up on. And I was trying to think of um, this one where it was like humans dressed up as animals. It was called um, Zoobly Zoo. If anyone remembers Zoobly Zoo, Zoobly that was Zoo. A, I don't remember a great that. show. <laughs> this woman had this mask and it was like a lion mask, but it went with her face and it looked like she had makeup on. So that's okay. what made me think of it. But anywho, to all you Zoobly Zoo fans out there, <laughs> shout outs to Zoobly Zoo. How was everyone's weekend? Great. It was my uh, parents' 50th. Mm. Oh, wow. So we uh, we celebrated that. That was pretty crazy. 50 years. 50. Not 25, not 35. Congratulations. 25. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Linda Campbell and Hugh and, Hugh and Campbell, they, uh, they gave birth to me. Well... My mother gave birth to me. <laughs> she she deeply re- regrets it every day. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I can't even get Anyways, to that. Was a fun night. That's all, that's what we did. I worked yesterday. I was out seeing homes. So nice. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, the market's been busy. It's um, yeah. you know the the we've definitely seen. It's been an interesting month, I would say. The last month has been like there's been a noticeable shift essentially really since the election, I would say like after the election, it seems like everything kind of slowed down dramatically. I don't know if that's, you know, there's been a lot of things that happened in September, October, but um, what have you guys been seeing? Like, Greg, what have you been seeing while out? Well, thanks for asking, Paul. I guess we're not going to find out about your weekends, but uh, let's just get right into it. <laughs> we, uh, I feel like we have a lot to cover today. We're going to, we're going to be tight. Let's, to, yeah, uh, let's do it. In. So it's really interesting. You know, I've seen my buyers right now are very active again, most of them. Uh, so I've been out actively looking at homes. And what I can tell you is that there is a lot for sale. Now, to be fair, I'm seeing a little bit of a difference in in Orleans versus somewhere like Barhaven, which is, I haven't been physically looking in Barhaven. I've only been looking east. So Ottawa, or Orleans, Beacon Hill, surrounding. Uh, and I've seen, what did I see with one set of buyers? I saw 18 properties in two days and we liked none of them. 
None. Hmm. Hmm. And a lot of them are still for sale. So top reasons does. So what does that say? I don't know. Usually if your home isn't sold in a couple of weeks or so, it means it's overpriced. Uh, average days on market right now for row homes in Orleans, I think is 20. So that's a big change. Uh, and there's a lot that are still active that have been on for up to two months, clearly now, overpriced. Are they, so, and, and are they in terrible shape? Like, is there no, a condition no, issue or not, a layout or anything like that? No, they're not. They, they, like there's, there's some that are just, yes, there's some that are kind of, you know, could use some updating, but there's nothing that I've seen that's been like, you know, the only comment is this should probably be priced better. That's it. Mm. But it looks, it looks like a, a nice home. There's some that are, are, are new builds that I've been seeing um, that were just automatically, you know, turned into, uh, you know, they were basically uh, the home buyer flipping. And those are, those are not selling either. But I mean, you know, a lot of those that I've seen, they're just builder grade finishes. So someone bought a house, you know, two and a half years ago before it was done, they did no upgrades in the house. So we're walking into it and it's like, well, you know, laminate countertops, carpet throughout, you know, and they're trying to get top dollar for it. It's like, well, it doesn't really work. You kind of missed, kind of missed mm -hmm. the market. You know, you're still you making find, money, but they got to take a hit. Th this might be a, you know, pretty fair assumption given just standard mm. kind of supply and demand. But when there's more homes out there, people are obviously very, um, they can be more selective, right? So you find oftentimes people are like, well, you know, we really like this kitchen, but the backyard on one, two, three main streets, much better. 100%. Let's just wait. Right. So there's like yep. almost too much, too many that's options it. where they're overly selective. 100%. And, and that's when it starts switching to a buyer's market right now. There, there's two things here. Orleans historically uh, generally gets hit first when the market shifts. Uh, and it'll come up when the market changes. And we saw that happen last year. Uh, and I think we might be seeing that again. I think, I think it, there might be the changes happening in the market, flipping from balance to buyers almost overnight. I, I don't know. I can't be certain about that, but I'm saying if it did happen, it would probably happen in Orleans because it has happened the last two times the market shifted. I was here for both of those. And maybe that's what we're seeing right now. Like I went out with my guys and there was one house, just a bit of scenario, uh, background on, on the, the buyers I'm talking about that I saw those homes with. So we went out again and we saw another five the other day. So 17 plus five, that's crazy. I have not seen that many homes with one buyer in over three days. Like it, I just can't believe that I could do that. So the house that we saw was on the market at 775 in June, 775 in June. Didn't sell, dropped to 740, didn't sell relisted now 700 we submitted an offer they got two other offers and sold it's conditional now but from what i'm gathering i think it's back up to where i think it's over 750 that they sold maybe over 770 so right it's it's marketing it's the approach who knows who knows where it's going but um there's we are seeing bigger homes at lesser price mm -hmm. We haven't seen any like a ripple effect on our end from an appraisal standpoint, at least not yet, but that's usually what comes next, right? Homes kind of sell for less than they're expecting. And then the appraisal comes in maybe a bit lighter than they were expecting or, or even at par with what they paid, which proves the market, right? So it'll be interesting to see how the next. Yeah. I mean, into the I'll, winter market. 
seeing everything, everything that I've seen right now, they'll appraise based on what we've been seeing. Like there's no way that none of these, like these homes are all going to appraise well, like no problem. Mm. Yeah. Um, what, but what I am seeing back to that, you know, in Barhaven, I do know that there's still a lot of multiple offers happening and things going on, but I'm not seeing as much of that in Orleans. And again, I'm basing this on, on my real time, uh, work right now. So I'm, I'm probably uh, missing a few items here, but, uh, anyways, it's just, it's good to take note. There's a lot, there's a lot out there to see. So if you've been sitting on the sidelines waiting, I mm -hmm. think now's a good time to do it to buy. Yeah. When, when historically do you see, like, there's a lot of listings right now. I would imagine a lot of those people are trying to get rid of the properties prior to the winter. When do you usually see those like listings, people take them off, right? And like, well, we're going to wait till the spring now. Is that usually like for snowfall before leading up to Christmas? Like what's kind of that cutoff? I think a lot of the people trying to sell right now are either looking to get out before Christmas or end of January. So you're going to start seeing more January closings, but I don't think anyone's, I always think it's a big mistake to take your home off the market and wait because there's less people. There's going to be less people shopping, but the people that are shopping are going to be much more serious as it gets closer to Christmas and over the holidays. So, you know, I would just, keep, I would just keep it on, but I mean, historically, yeah, like the end of November, December, it starts to really, really drop down in terms of listings coming out. I think at that there, I think to that point, Greg, I think it's, you know, leaving on the market, but also then reevaluating a pricing strategy. Yeah, sure. Like you're saying about the, those other people that are priced too high, you know, instead of doing small drops, you know, do a larger one, you get more eyes on the property and yeah. you know, have a better chance of moving it. Right. Um, as opposed to pulling it off and waiting a few months. And it, and it's hard, right? And it's hard for us to price right now. Like mm -hmm. we're looking at things and then you still get that anomaly. Like you get you, like, I'll, I'll be here one day looking, okay, well, I'm going to price this house based on, on these sales. And then it's leading me to like a certain number, you know, and then the next day, this other one sells for like 30,000 more. And you're like, well, this one that I'm about to list looks closer to that. But then it's like, is that going to happen again? Mm -hmm. on the one that I'm listing. And what if it doesn't? So these are the conversations. It's, it's just not, uh, I mean, it's challenging. Not like I don't I like it. I love what I do. It sounds like you're saying there's value in working with a realtor when selling your home. Uh, <laughs> oh, <Paul. laughs> hit that one on the head of the nail. I, um, I could not honestly, and, and I'm not saying anything here about uh, our industry or whatnot, but selling your house on your own right now, I would, I would never want to be doing that. I would never want to be doing that. You know, you, because you, you definitely do not know what you think, you know, there's no way it's impossible. Yeah. I mean, even you, like we talk every week and it's always been like, you know, how many times in the last six months have we heard you say like pricing is challenging right now. So imagine having no insights into the markets. Yeah. Other than just like what your neighbors told you their place sold for a year ago or something like that, you know, or for what you yeah, hear from much. friends, maybe. Um, so there was a big, uh, you know, interview or, or segment on CBC marketplace, which we're going to touch on a bit later in the episode. Uh, and they talked about this specifically. So obviously that was a soft mm -hmm. point of a segue, but, um, yeah. So market wise, I know, uh, Dave and I also just to touch on rates quickly and where they're heading, we did, uh, attend a, the mortgage professionals conference, which is a national conference for mortgage agents across the country last year, last week, excuse me. And, um, uh, Benjamin Tall, who's the kind of chief economist for CIBC, was talking about uh, inflation and um, you know where where they see rates heading. 
Um, and he is fearful of the government increasing rates in, in a short period of time too quickly, like basically waiting, not increasing them gradually, but basically waiting until a point of no return and then making a massive increase to rates, which could cause essentially a recession because a lot mm -hmm. of people aren't going to be able to, to kind of um, afford those new stress tests. So they, he believes that, you know, he's been, he kind of advises Bank of Canada as well. And he's been saying that um, they need to slow it down, but not shock it. So he's hoping that they can do it a bit more gradually as opposed to just kind of waiting it out as long as they can, which would obviously keep in the short term variable rates and, and kind of the cost of borrowing low. But then when things do recover or, you know, it'll happen too rapidly where it'll then cause a negative effect, mm -hmm. which is very, I think there's also, there's also an article uh, this past week on the topic of rates and, and the spread between variable and fixed. So in the past, typically it's a 90, 10. So 90% of people take fixed 10% variable. And now with bond rates and fixed rates having gone up over the last couple of weeks, um, that there's a huge a shift to people taking variable because the spread between variable and fixed is over three quarters of a percent. Um, so now it's about a 50, 50, um, people of people taking variable, which is a huge, a huge shift when you, um, you know, and, and it is a really, a really good rate product to look at. If you're getting in, you're looking at refinancing or looking at buying, certainly, uh, looking strongly at variable. I know Paul and I are huge believers of it and, and we kind of preach to its benefits. Um, but we're seeing a big spread between those. So certainly as uh, that, that's an interesting shift. And, and I think what Benjamin Tall was talking about was in the increasing of, of bank prime and increasing of, uh, of those rates for variable, um, you know, typically it's done at a quarter point at a time, as opposed to, you know, waiting, like Paul said, where, you know, maybe they wait until too late and just try and jump, you know, big, big leaps and bounds, as opposed to a quarter point, you know, wait, maybe three, six months, let the market, you know, adjust and then another gradual increase, which is how they've typically done it uh, historically. But, um, those, those are my key tips. Take variable buy in the winter. Those are, uh, those are my real estate tips right? for today. <laughs> like do any, any of these people making these policies, like, do they have any idea what they're doing? Like where, like, how do they even do this? It's just like, they're like, yeah, well, well, it's good to know today. that people like this are actually advising them, right? I mean, they have the right people sure. talking to the right people. Now, they are obviously in charge of many policies, so it would be hard to be kind of an expert in all of them. But if you're at the Bank of Canada, for example, like you should have the same or similar insight to someone like Benjamin, right, who has that kind of in it. Uh, but you're right, if you're making these changes and it affects the country. I mean, he, you know, even, even he was talking about the stress test for, uh, non-insured buyers. So people, you know, putting more than 20% down also having that same stress test. He's like that in itself will, you know, that could decrease the market by, um, I think he said it was something like could, it could plunge like 50% or something like that because of that one change. So like, there's a lot of small things that, you know, we've talked about may not make a big impact, but you go way too far. Like you, you pull the trigger on too many things too quickly. Then you start seeing, yeah. like you go too far, you know, it goes too far to one side and then you're, you're not finding a middle ground. You're just taking it from the right and directing it all the way to the left instead of finding somewhere in the middle. And that's the thing I worry about sometimes when you have someone like that advising good advice, sound advice. And then they're like, well, you know what? We'll take it into consideration. We, Benjamin, we, we, we know, we know that you don't think we should do that, but we're probably going to do it anyways. Mm-hmm.
Because let's that's roll what the we dice. think. Let's roll the dice. Shut her down. <laughs> oh, man. Um, one more just quick update. We I know we've been talking about Evergrande a lot over the last uh, couple months. Um, the head of the Central Bank of China, People's Bank of China, I think it's called, um, he was saying that they believe that they'll be able to contain the Evergrande issue within China. Not that I think he can say anything else, but that is his that, public statement that they feel they can they should be able to contain it within China so that they won't have that ripple effect we've been kind of worrying about. You just you just said it, Paul. You're like, that's what they said. That's what they're saying. That's what they're trying to make you believe, possibly. That's exactly mm-hmm. what happened when the Lehman Brothers thing happened. They were like, mm-hmm. no, 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 it's good. We're gonna be contained right before it yeah. went down. But but you know, it is something where it is something where the Chinese government could also just wipe that debt instead of having their whole economy collapse. They, you know, they might be, they might be looking at it as, well, we'll just take over these assets or we will clear this debt, collapse the company, take over this debt though, sell it to, you know, a, uh, a state owned company or what have you so that there isn't that ripple flat yeah. effect yeah. of you know, every three, 300 billion China is, is state owned. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, 300, or I mean, 300 billion is a lot of money. It's a lot of money, but in, when you're talking about, China's economic, you know, policy, 300 billion really isn't anything Yeah. Um, to, to them. So yeah, I think that'll be, uh, like you said, they have to, it'll be interesting to see whether it's lip service or whether it is like, yeah. you know, kind of that lead up of like, no, no, this guy's not falling. This guy's not falling. And then Lehman brothers, uh, it's fall. <laughs> shut, shut down Evergrande, let BlackRock reign. Right. <laughs> let's, let's see what, let's see what happens next. So hop, before we hop into the uh, the marketplace uh, shenanigans from from this week, Greg, are you ready for everyone's favorite segment? What do we got? Is there a countdown thing here now? Yeah, so like a yeah. Uh, three, two, one. Who wants to time. be a listing agent? That timer going. Here we go. So we got two listings okay. today, Greg. Okay. Here we are. First up, we have 2278 Descartes Street in Orleans, a.k.a. Orléans. This one's listed at 620000 Are you looking for a three-bedroom row home in Orleans, but always finding it a challenge to get the right home on the right lot? Well, this may be the home for you. This Cardell-built Briarwood model on Descartes gives you great interior space from top to bottom, as well as that extra exterior space you're looking for. Bright and spacious with nine-foot ceilings and hardwood throughout the main level, upgraded tile flooring in the foyer and two-piece bath, open concept kitchen with island granite countertops and breakfast bar this space is ideal for entertaining upstairs you'll find a fabulous master bedroom with walk-in closet and large master bathroom including a double sink for your convenience secondary bedrooms are a great size for a growing family and the laundry is just down the hall the fully finished basement is super cozy for a night with its night in with its rich color. Out back, you'll find a huge two-tier PVC deck, gazebo setup, and storage shed. Shed. This space is perfect for summer barbecues. Come and see what this home has to offer. Listed by yours truly, Greg Campbell. That was a good one. That was a that that tub just makes you want to hop in and soak up the sun. It's yeah, it's it's a good listing, and the cool thing There's about a window that in there. Is it's, like, it's 100 and uh, 120 feet deep. In Orleans and like a set of rows, you don't usually find that. So it's long. It's long. All right. Number two. So number two, what do we got here? Give me one second here. I'm ready. Are we ready? Steven, line it up. (laughs) 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 2210 Loyola Avenue, Unit 2. This one is listed with Jose Lindsay at Blue Panda Realty for $369.9. Charming three-bedroom townhill in Beacon Hill. This freshly painted home with wood trim accents is cozy is a cozy getaway just minutes away from downtown. Enjoy beautiful stripped hardwood floors on the main level along with a gas fireplace with bricks around. An updated kitchen opens up to a dining room and spacious living room, which is perfect for entertaining. Upstairs, you'll find a generous primary bedroom with stripped hardwood floors, two additional bedrooms, and a main bathroom. The basement was recently updated with spray foam insulation and new drywall 2021, which makes it a perfect space for a family room, office, or playroom, complete with a three-piece bathroom and a good-sized laundry and storage room. Enjoy a private backyard with interlock and storage shed this home is located in sought after beacon hill north known for its great schools including colonel by close to the 417 the montreal road lrt station senseplex parks shoppings restaurants no conveyance of offers until 3 p.m october 19th which is today according to this video listen to 369.9 three bed three bed come check it out that was a good one well done that is yes Thanks. that is today According to this video, according to this, this is the release of this podcast. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, I'm a sucker for uh, exposed wood, like those wood door frames and such. Dave, I know you have a couple too, with that old banister and stuff. Like, I just love any like original wood framing. I find uh, just pulls me in. I like those doors. That's a very unique layout on the main floor. Oh yeah, it is. If anyone's listening, I'd encourage you to go check that video out on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The listeners must hate these segments, eh? Like Greg's just talking, look at that photo. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> just go to YouTube and check it out. Um, so Marketplace, Greg, let's get into it. Because I know this is, uh, I actually yeah. had, so the gentleman that emailed us about the um, foreign buyers that Dave and I talked about last week from China, he actually responded saying, you know, thanks for talking about it. He actually didn't want us to send him a mug. He's like, the carbon footprint is uh, probably large enough already on that wow. mug. I'll wait till I'm back <laughs> in Ottawa. Very conscious human being. Um, but then he actually said, did you see the marketplace? And that's actually where I first heard about it. And then you sent the video. Um, then we talked about it. Obviously, it's too long to play here. But Greg, maybe give us the Coles notes on the like what the marketplace was about. And then we can kind of jump into yeah. our thoughts on it. So CBC Marketplace uh, a couple of days ago was basically talking about agent commissions or agents steering buyers away from certain homes because they weren't offering a full 2.5% commission, which has been traditionally the paid out commission for the last however long, I don't know, for a long time in Ontario. 40 years. Uh, 40, yeah, which is, you know, crazy. And we've talked about it before saying like, how can we justify getting that, regardless of inflation and everything? If 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 that was what it was forty years ago, the prices of homes were a hundred thousand dollars. You know, now a house is a million bucks. We should still be getting that five percent. You know, the the jury's out on that. A lot of people, a lot of people think we're worth it. Some people think think we aren't. So that's it. It's always individual experience uh, and, and what you know. Now, what I do want to. I, I had a, so a bunch of comments that I was going to lay out, but then I spoke with uh, my colleague, Nick, Nick Crouch, Nicholas Crouch, who's uh, in the office with me today. And uh, he, uh, he made a really great uh, Reddit post and I'm, I'm just going to read from his because it touches on everything uh, in perfect, perfect fashion, I will say. So let me just get into, um, uh, you know, the basics of this, the, the main, the main points Da, da, da. Let me just see here. Uh, so some of the agents in in, uh, in marketplace definitely it was terrible. It, it was. I'm glad they were exposed. They shouldn't be doing what they were doing. Um, so let's get into this. Note thoughts are uh, here's here's from Nick. My thoughts aren't a defense of the industry, just merely points I picked while watching this video in its entirety. 
Number one, they're generalizing about commission rates. They actually have no way of knowing what the average commission rate is for any one area. Even if the real estate agent is wrong, he is even the real estate agent is wrong saying it's 5% in Ontario always. That's just nonsense. Number two, it seems that the agent would be working for me and my best interests. That's what someone said in the, in the interview. Incorrect. It depends what type of agency relationship there is. A client relationship affords a much higher degree of service and fiduciary, fiduciary obligation as opposed to a customer relationship. Number three, good for realtor one doing his job. Can't wait to hear about realtor two and three and how they're, how they've been fired. So there was one agent, uh, when the marketplace people were undercover that said, um, he was happy to take the 1% commission, uh, and he wasn't going to steer them away from the listing because of that. But he agreed that others, other agents probably would. And there's two others who were clearly steering the buyers away from the listing. You can see it. Everybody should watch this episode. It was wild. Number four. Uh, I think it's much easier for owners to have a rough idea of price on their home now more than ever, but unfortunately access to a little bit of information makes everyone think they're a professional without knowing the exact home. It's very possible that the home had been overpriced. That comment comes from the seller of a home that was listed by herself uh, saying that, no, I know my house is worth what it is. I priced it according to my studies and everything. It's, you know, I think we said that earlier. Sure, you can do that, but do you really know what it should be priced at if you haven't had any professionals in through your home? How can you consider yourself... How, how do you know if it's priced well if you're not a professional in, in the industry? I agree 100% with that. Uh, number, number five, um, there's some great examples of rates in different countries. The only issue is that the average prices are completely different than here. And in the way that homes are sold, different, like it's different all over the world. You know, Slovenia is roughly $300,000 average. Uh, South Korea would be around 100,000. Australia is almost a million. So, you know, what he says at the end here, I guess I'm getting at is yes, there are absolutely horrible people in the industry. Commissions are just one part, I think, of a larger puzzle that needs to be fixed. So uh, there's actually, just quickly, there's actually a follow-up. There was a response here. Um, asking Nick about the agency thing, saying a client relationship, what type of agency relationship. Um, he says, I'd love some more explanation on this. I've never heard of a customer relationship with a realtor. As far as I can tell online, it doesn't exist in practice for a buyer. I thought that was especially interested, interesting. So we need to talk about that another time too. The client and customer relationship with agents. So I think uh, I think for everyone that's listening to give a, a little bit of a cold notes of the this the start of what this episode for Mark CBC Marketplace was is uh, for sale by owner she listed her house uh, in Toronto in a I think Vaughan busy area but listed yep. it listed the house offering you know one percent commission to the buyer agent um, and that was it and then it stood you know sat on the market the marketplace investigator with hidden camera act, you know, called up random agents to have them take them through, set up the criteria to match exactly to what this property is to see if they would be, um, shown it, if they would be, you know, what kind of information or feedback they'd receive. And to Greg's point, the first guy didn't care about that. It was only 1% commission was happy to show the property. The other two, uh, were terrible agents and, and directed people blatantly away from the property and made up reasons why they wouldn't show it or that it wasn't a good, uh, wasn't suitable. Yeah, yeah. I um, suppose I should have said that before I started talking, uh, about everything else. Hey, David, thank you. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, no, no. Just reverse that. Yeah. 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 No one knows the and, story yet. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's it, like you said, it is a, a good, a good, uh, episode to, to certainly watch. And there are a lot of, you know, we've talked about them before. There's a lot of, in every industry, there's a lot of crummy people, um, in every industry that, that don't put their clients first, um, and look at their bottom line first. And, and in the case of this, the, the two that they showed, but there's also a lot of information missing. Like Nick was pointing out on Tons. this, on this as well. Um, yeah. What type of buyer arrangement they have, whether, you know, anything like that, um, you know, what the, what the actual comparables, you know, like you said, was it actually priced properly? Yes. It's out of yeah. the market for a while, but you know, it's kind of being left out of what comparables were being used in order to price that property and, uh, and where she derived that, that purchase price. Or and that's the rather. thing too, like at the end of the episode, you know, it says like, so her house was on the market for three months and the right person came along at the right time. And she got basically close to asking price. Sure. Now, so there's another thing. Does that mean in the, in those three months in Vaughn? Cause it looked like it was clearly beginning of spring, summer market or whatever. And we know that prices were, were going up steadily. So did her house suddenly come up in value because of the market? Was everything selling $200,000 more after the time that they started that interview until the time that it was done? Mm -hmm. That's another factor. Who knows? So I, yeah, what bothered me about the episode, I think it was, I always like hidden camera stuff like that. Cause you get to see, you know, true intentions of people, but I found that the, the episode itself was almost steering in its own right to like, they were looking for totally, they knew what they were looking for and they were basically finding agents that would do that. Um, like three is a pretty small sample size to use, I would say from a realtor standpoint. Um, and I also think that she's underestimating, uh, forget about the number, the, the 5%, but I think she's underestimating the home seller. I think she's underestimating the value that you do get in working with a realtor. You know, like she was saying that a home down the street got 20, 20 showings and hers got one. Well, yeah. the realtor probably invested five, $10,000 into the marketing, yeah. which got those 20 people through the door. So it's not like, it's not as simple as just throw a sign on your lawn and people are going to start knocking. Like there is a network that realtors have access to not only your own colleagues and people that you've worked with in the past and existing clients and all of that, but there's also money that you're investing up front. You might be putting, you know, three to $5,000 into the listing without having any guarantee it's going to sell. Yep. Right. And that's a risk you're taking as a real estate agent to list that property. So by not taking that risk of, or by not investing in a real estate agent, like it is an investment. You're investing in them X amount percent of your sale to get it sold quickly and at top dollar. That That's essentially, in my mind, what you'd be using a real estate agent for. It took her three months, right, to sell her home. It might've taken mm -hmm. three weeks if she had used an agent that priced it properly and got the right people through and so on. Like a lot of, and correct me if I'm wrong, Greg, a lot of selling a home is getting people excited about potentially living there. Like that is your job. And if you're just putting a sign on the lawn, and waiting for people to show up. Well, nobody's getting excited about your house. Nobody's interested in living there. Nobody cares really, right? It has to be in front of the right people that are going to get others excited to maybe potentially live in that home and be a homeowner. So I think yeah, there was a lot of, I think there was a lot of gaps in the, in the story. I think, as you said, like agent two and three were, you know, clearly trying to not go see the property. But even when they were just calling people asking about their commissions, like if someone calls you today and says, what's your standard commission? Well, four to 5%, like it's just, a, you're obviously going to get that answer because you're not, you're not investing any time into that real estate agent. So why would you expect someone that you're cold calling to invest two hours of their time to educate you on 
listing your home when you could hire them and they'll give you all of their expertise. You know, if so, if someone calls me, if someone cold calls me and asks me directly, like in the first conversation, what's your commission rate? My answer to them is this. It depends if we sit down and have a conversation and decide that we want to work together. Right. That's all I say to them. They say, so they say, so is it, is it five? Is it two? I'm like, I'm not answering that question. I'm like, I don't even know if I want to work with you. You just called me and you're asking me about my commission. I'm like, based on that alone, I already don't want to work with you. I go, so Mm -hmm. why don't we sit down? And and if I say it like that, usually they're like, oh yeah. When you think of it, when I say it that way, you know, it's like, you can't, people come in being aggressive about rates. Then why, why am I going to want to waste any time with a person like that? I know that it's going to be a nightmare from the first step, right? I know not everyone's, you know, been doing it long enough or has the the kind of business set up where they can uh, decline those calls. But I I mean, they should let those people sell them their homes on their own. Let them do it. If they don't see our value. I think there was, um, I think Nick made some very good points. And I think one of his last ones that there are a number of, you know, there are issues in the industry that, you know, do need to get sorted out. I thought the biggest takeaway on my end of that whole episode was actually, uh, near the end where it was, um, trying to reach Korea, trying to reach Rico, trying to reach your MPP. And they were basically like none of them responding. Um, none of them giving a coherent, you know, response or even picking up the phone and conversing with them. Um, I thought that was very intriguing, like that there, that Korea and Rico were just like, you know, file a complaint if you want. And that was it. Uh, I mean, they did send a letter to every real estate agent in Canada saying about that specific tactic. Yeah, for for sure. But it wasn't, uh, but they didn't have a conversation with the individual that was raising a concern. Mm-hmm. was, you know, um, that was doing this. These, we're making assumptions though, that that's their responsibility is to respond to that individual person forming a complaint. I mean, they may have their own processes and I mean, we're also getting, yes, like I said, we're getting it from a, a news source that's specifically yeah. trying to expose them. So, I mean, yeah. they might've made one call on a voicemail and been like, well, we're done. We're not trying again. They didn't answer. You know, we don't know I mean, all the facts. I, 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 I do agree. I will say that the, you know, if they didn't pick up the phone and, and have a conversation and they just sent an email out or a newsletter out to every realtor, it means that they actioned what was being told to them, but mm-hmm. without actually conversing with the individual, you know, with the the uh, investigative reporter from CBC um, to discuss the to discuss it further, you know, what kind of actions they may be taking or things that they've been seeing in the market. Like there wasn't really any back and forth follow-up and, and clearly there wasn't. Otherwise I feel like they would have been included. Um, I thought that was just, and the MP not taking responsibility or, you know, and just sending it back as well and not really responding at all. Um, that's what I kind of, I thought was surprising. It was kind of just a, a running around in circles. That whole, I mean, that whole marketplace, like I, you know, I, I agreed with a lot of it, like, you know, the basis of it was there, but like you said, Dave, there was so many things that were missed like you could literally, you could do an hour and a half documentary on that shit. I actually went back you to know? the end of the video because it just basically cut off. And I was like, that can't be the end of the episode, is it? Like it just kind of <laughs> yeah. like, she was like, and then we sold our home and then bloop, it just stopped. I was like, what is that? That can't be the you end. Know, There's got to be some sort of summary or conclusion. Like what's going on here? Any Anyone listening right now, I, I, I want everybody to watch that because, you know, it's not, it's not to say that it doesn't exist, but I also want everybody listening if, if you have never 
sold a home before, or if you haven't bought a home, whoever you meet, and I advise you to meet more than one person, ask them these questions, ask them these questions and ask them why tell, tell the agent, go like, why, why do you charge 5%? If they can't answer you in a way that makes you understand why they should be paid that much or shouldn't, then they should not be in the business period. As far as I'm concerned, just ask them the question, people, buyers and sellers do not ask the question enough. It's like, they're afraid. They're just like, take me by the hand, you know? And then they, they just don't, they're not investing enough time in learning from the people that they're supposed to be getting the sound advice, the best advice from. And that's, that's what I find frustrating. It's the people that have bad experiences. A lot of them put themselves in that situation with the wrong people because they don't ask the right questions. One so follow to a rep and ask the right questions. <laughs> I was into, I was, I was, um, what's the word? It was interesting. I'll just, keep it very broad. It was interesting yeah. that she used a dollar amount instead of a commission number. Like she's like, well, this would be $14,000 if they bought it. Like she was actually using dollar figures, which I'm sure is eye opening for a lot of people. Because when you think like 5%, it's like, well, what's 5%? It's like, well, it's actually $75,000. So has there ever been talk, Greg, of there just being like flat fees associated as opposed to... There are some brokerages that percentages? do flat fees. There are some brokerages that'll do flat fees, or you can put it in a commission. Like if you list a property and the, the seller says, we're going to offer 10 grand flat fee, five for you, five for the other person, you, you know, take it or leave it. Right. Cause would so, you, I mean, you would agree. And I know we've talked about this before that, you know, the marketing involved in selling a half million dollar home is maybe slightly less, but very equivalent to selling a million dollar home. Right. But you're getting double the commission for the million dollar home as opposed to the $500,000 this is the thing. And a lot of people will base it on the, like you said, how much is the investment? So that's the thing that you need to know, because like you said, like, imagine, imagine you're an agent, you're, you're going to list a $1.4 million property, like on marketplace. And the commission seems, oh, it's crazy. I'm not going to pay that 2.5. But then you talk to the agent and they say like, well, I'm spending, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And I'm not guaranteed that I'm going to sell. Uh, maybe especially at the price that you're suggesting, because I don't think it's worth that money. So, but these are the conversations that uh, apparently don't happen. Well, don't happen with that, that uh, certain lady on, on marketplace anyways. Right. They need, they need, we to should have brought her on and we should have found and, her. And, and, brought and her I mean, and, and, to, and to be fair, like if, if you, if you aren't showing a home that has a $14,000 commission, cause what you want 28,000, get the hell out, get, get out of here. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't understand. I don't understand people like that. Like steering your client away from that. You must be doing what two deals a year. And you're definitely not in the, you're definitely not in the business. If you're doing two deals a year, fuck you. <laughs> That'll be the headline for this episode. <laughs> Seriously. But the, the, that's what happens. And those are the agents that give us a bad name. Cause we give a shit. We work hard and we've established mm. over the years to do better and help people and learn. And then people like that, they're in, they're in and out. They don't give a shit. They're in here for the money. And then marketplace does it, does a story. And then those are the people that you see, of course, mm -hmm. because why would marketplace take the time to go deal with some top agents and see how they really see things. That's, I believe that's a big part of what happened there in that. Well, episode. That's what I was saying. Like not three, is such the right a, people. three is such a small sample size and they're obviously picking the ones that 
support the narrative that they're talking yeah. about, right? Ex- exactly. Like if they, if they and, interviewed a hundred the top agents, they're not going to get that. An- they're not going to get the answers they got. Like, oh, we tried calling, no. and like you know, they're not going to get that. They're not, and they they called a few, I guess, from like different provinces, and they all say, you know, the same thing. My my, it's five percent. I don't negotiate my commission. I'm not saying that you're not going to get people that don't say that. You will a lot, but again, where's the follow through? Where is the rest of the conversation? The, even marketplace didn't ask why. Why mm-hmm. is it 5%? No one asked the question. Right. Mm-hmm. Start over. <laughs> Start over. Do that whole show again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll make sure to get angry. Put the link. We'll put the link to the video on the comments of the, of uh, the YouTube, yeah. just so that people can easily click on it and, and visit it. I want to keep going on this, but we're well over time here, gentlemen. So I feel like we should, yeah. uh, I'm and I'm heading out to show more homes. I'm working, <laughs> working yeah. for my happy buyer. I feel like we need to we need to bring up Greg's mood here. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> needs to be needs to be boosted. Um, oh, right. I got some. Right now. I got some good wow. ones today, though. Got some good ones. Do it. There's five. Oh, going all in here. Number one. Hit me. I got arrested over the weekend for downloading the whole Wikipedia. I told them I could explain everything. (laughs) My wife and I had a huge argument about who will do the laundry. Eventually, I folded. Ah, yes. Yes. Mm. I don't mean to brag, but cashiers always check me out. (laughs) I like that one. Number four. Did you know that French fries weren't actually cooked in France? They were cooked in Greece. In Greece? <laughs> I think you hit it a little too early there. Yeah, yeah, you hit it before. That was, I was, like, was the, that a punchline? The, 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 the yeah. delivery was great on that one. Did you know that like, French, wait a minute. Did you know the first wait French fries weren't actually cooked in France? They were cooked yeah. in Greece. Uh, there we go. There Number, we go. The redo. <laughs> Number five. We're all about Europe right now. I'm starting a new dating service in Prague. It's called Checkmate. Checkmate. <laughs> uh, okay. Those are pretty good. Those are much better than last week's. <laughs> Those are all Bill. Those are all Bill. All dead. Nice. Yeah. Good episode. Good right, episode. I think chat. we're going to get great, some great uh, chat interesting. With you I'm happy to be back. Happy to be back. Yeah, you're looking vibrant. I think we'll get some interesting yeah, feedback good. on the uh, marketplace stuff, and I'm, I agree. I think everyone should watch it, and uh, we welcome comments, and we'll do a little follow up next week to uh, see what everyone's thoughts are, because I'm sure a lot of people haven't been put onto it yet. So, mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah. All right. All right, gentlemen. Love you guys. Great. Okay, we'll great see week. you guys. We'll see everyone next week. Thanks as always for listening. Uh, quick shout out, which I forgot to do at the beginning, to North Brew. .ca, northbrew.ca. If you use the promo code podcast, you'll get 20% off your coffee orders. And uh, we love their coffee. We do. We do. We love you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Deuces. Bye. The Ottawa Real Estate Podcast is brought to you by Referral Mortgages, Blue Panda Realty, and Stephen Hopkins Video. Thanks for tuning in and please remember to like, comment, share, and most importantly, subscribe. We'd love to hear from you.